<sighs> oh man, what's the matter, Hunter? Why so sleepy? Oh man, I just I keep drinking this old coffee, but it's just not waking me up like it used to, you know. You know, you can't keep drinking that old coffee, you silly goose. You know what you need? You need Death Wish coffee. Death Wish coffee has so much caffeine it can kill a horse. <laughs> that that's enough. That could that could absolutely wake me up. Wow. Thank you. Where can I get some? Listen, Hunter, you can get some right now at carlpooling.com slash coffee. And let me just say, we love Death Wish Coffee. It's one of the products that I can genuinely say I liked before they were a sponsor. And that is a huge deal. So you know I'm not fronting when I tell you that this is some great coffee. Also, they're rebellious by nature. It's their tagline. And it's true because Death Wish has the beans to sponsor a show like Carl Pooling. Oh, that's great, but I'm pretty tired. Do you think you could just send me the URL so I could just paste it into my browser and I'll get this over I'll put it in with? the show notes. But again, it's, <laughs> it's carlpooling.com slash coffee. And I've got even better news for you, Hunter. This will wake you up. Using our discount code DWCAF10, that's D-W-C-A-F-F-10, our listeners can get 10% off their total order, so you really have nothing to lose. Wake up, be a rebel, go to carlpooling.com slash coffee right now, and score yourself some Death Wish coffee at a great price. Death Wish, it might kill a horse. <laughs> With discounts like these you can't afford to sleep through them okay back to the show see say plod way carl pooling family yes we might welcome welcome back to the show thank you for joining us uh, today I have a very special guest, Hunter Carl. Hunter, welcome to the show. Wow, it's so great to be here. How did you get the show to be so good and like this? Well, it took a lot of hard work and a lot of bribery. Wow, mm-hmm. that's 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 pod racing. Yep. Um, <laughs> have you ever noticed that pod racing sounds a lot like podcasting? Pod- and so if you're thinking about saying that sounds like podcasting, you could just transition to pod racing halfway through the sentence. That's that's sometimes I get confused. I sit down in my chair to do the show, Hunter. I get the mic set up and I got my headphones yeah. on, and then I think, try a barrel roll. That's a good trick. Mm. Hmm. T- let me let me be clear about this. Terrible trick in an ergonomic office chair. <laughs> actually, it's a great trick in an ergonomic uh, uh, office fair, chair. To be, fair, to be fair, if you can actually do it, fantastic trick. Yeah. I I uh, I'm in a full body cast. Mm. And mm. I think he says try spinning. Yeah. I can't remember. Didn't that kid like try and kill himself? I I think he got depressed or something. I don't remember him wanting to uh I don't remember him struggling with suicide, but I feel like I feel like it was either like drugs, like heavy drug use and rehab. Little Anakin yeah. did not have it easy. Yeah. Don't let your kids grow up to be Hayden uh, Christensen. Or anything else. It's ever. Uh, he, he look. He starts trying to do spinning because that's a good trick. 
Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he's in a, a Naboo starfighter in a Galactic Trade Federation blockade. Next thing you know, he's trying to sell you death sticks. He's hunting down changeling drug dealers. A couple months later, things don't go his way. He's killing the younglings. Yeah, sad. It's so sad. Uh, all right. You just reminded me how beautiful the Naboo Starfighter is. Like, that's... Listen, there's not a lot of things going for episode one. The Naboo Starfighter? That's where it's at. It is sleek, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Something about that yellow, too, right? Like, it's very not Star Wars, like, in the past, which kind of makes it feel ancient, or yeah, older. it makes well Naboo. Naboo kind of feels that way, right? Like it feels mm-hmm. like it's because there's the Gungans underwater, and they've got like this high tech, low tech mm-hmm. thing going on. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of Naboo as well. I also say, I mean, the X Wing is a f- an absolute feat of design. Sure, yeah, it's no it's one of the coolest the coolest craft personal crafts in any science fiction, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. But the Jedi Starfighter from the prequel movies, I thought mm-hmm. paired really nicely with like the Naboo Starfighter. Yeah. It's like you've yeah, got they this like- sleek, yellow, uh, very organic, very smooth looking craft. And then to pair that up with the very angular, very high tech Jedi Starfighter, I liked the I liked how it kind of implied there was two separate technological evolutions happening between those two things. Yeah. Yeah, not a whole lot of things right, but they got the they got the spaceships done really well. Yeah, and, and for all the mistakes they made in the CGI in those films, the design was still pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, even yeah. though there was too much of it, it's just yeah, the uh, the screen half the time was so so cluttered that you could hardly tell what was going on, like in the Coruscant shots and stuff. Mm. Oh, man, well. Welcome to Star Pooling, a Carl Pooling fan cast of the Star Wars shows. That's right. <laughs> we tell you the truth about the Sith and why, listen, <laughs> the mainstream media fed you a lie. <laughs> Jedi are a bunch I of... I can't inter- believe you got that out correctly, Hunter. Okay. First of all... <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Do you know how how much preparation it takes for me to get in a in an Alex Jones bit role, Jamie? No. I have to fill my entire mouth and all the way to the back of my throat to where I'm almost gagging with overnight oats. <laughs> oh my god, no, please. Do you need more? It's the only way to get that gravelly texture. <laughs> Hush. I'm so happy we don't do a video cast. Oh, my lord. Midichlorians are kind of like a interdimensional clockwork elves. <laughs> Come in to your bloodstream and uh, they get they make you do cocaine and kill the younglings. And, and they turn the death sticks gay. How? This show's many- called Carl Pooling. <laughs> We talk about what you're not allowed to talk about because we got a license that you can't get because they're out now. We talk about religion, philosophy, art, culture, politics, and uh, we do it in a way where we tell you the truth. 
No other show on the world in the world is doing that right now. Literally every single other show lies to you. For instance, for instance, Game of Thrones didn't even happen. Mm, mm-hmm. You watch the show and you're like, oh, I guess, I guess there's, I guess Jon Snow. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I guess Jon Snow is a person that existed. Wrong. Yeah. It's all propaganda. It's yellow journalism. We're on to you, R.R. Martin. Well, anyhow, I wish I knew one other thing about Game of Thrones. (laughs) Uh, There's a guy that turns into a crow. All right. I mean... (laughs) That doesn't happen in real life. People can't shapeshift. There aren't just werewolves willy-nil. You know, like, that's not a thing that happens. Wait a minute. Are there werewolves in Game of Thrones? No, I just... Well, okay, now I don't know. Now you've made me question it. Jamie? I thought I was... Jamie? Dire wolves. What what the heck is that? Is that that a man that turns into a wolf? How does the robot know? A dire wolf is just a big wolf. Oh. It's It's not a man wolf. Oh. Why why okay, wait. Why would you That's even That's all they have. Why would you even offer that? Huh? Wolf type. No, that's a werewolf is a very specific thing. It's like yeah. it's a shapeshifter. It's like, "Hey, hey, are there any shapeshifters in that show?" And you're like, "No, but there's a big cat." <laughs> no one cares. Um all right. Well, this show just sucks. Hunter, just give us a roadkill. Just like, just like Game of Thrones. Oh, nothing's nothing's different. Listen, listen. If you've been ignoring the show so far, leave us a five-star review on on Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah. Don't don't honestly review this first section, okay? Do us yeah. do us a favor, won't you? Listen, listen. It's been a ripper if you haven't been listening. Yeah, if people you... are people are writing in as we record saying, "How are you this funny? Just how?" It's true. It's, it's actually it's actually accurate. Um, yeah, even even when the computer that I employ steps on my jokes, <laughs> you're Alex Jones, man. You know, I I don't want to get us off topic here, but right. how much money do I have to pay Alex Jones to get him to be a Sith Lord in my movie I'm filming? <laughs> I right now it's probably yeah. at an all time low. <laughs> I'm not saying it's cheap, but I'm saying this is the best discount you're going to get. This is the best time to get George Lucas to write the Alex Jones Star Wars Sith saga that we've wanted for years. This is we, this is it, Chris. I, like, this is the time. Listen. Okay. I can bring that hottie back to life. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you exactly how I do it. It's a supplement. I already know. But, I already know. But you might have to go into a school and chop up a couple kids. <laughs> oh, but it's okay because okay, I'll tell people it was. A, I'll tell people that they were crisis actors. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so he doesn't. I didn't mean he doesn't die. He I just gets sued into oblivion. <laughs> I didn't wake up this morning. <laughs> Thinking that there was a <laughs> that there was a Sandy Hook <laughs> Alex Jones Anakin Skywalker joke, <laughs> and I just want to apologize because there's very little funny about Sandy Hook. 
There's nothing funny about Sandy Hook. Uh, okay. Yeah, agreed about what happened. There is something yeah. funny about Alex Jones, Alex putting, Jones his foot, not- putting his foot in his mouth 150 <laughs> times about it. Yes, yes, and going to court and losing like he should have. Like, <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I feel like people without that context are really going to have a hard I time. Know, but I truly, the construction of the joke that Alex Jones would deny, would say that the younglings in the Coruscant Temple were crisis actors is brilliant. No, it's good. It's good. It's just you said it, and some yeah. people are gonna go walking through that and going, "Oh man, ah." Unassuming, are they go- but definitely the most clippable moment. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed it while it lasted. <laughs> this is a great show. Uh, the roadkill is us. Weird. Don't know how that happened. Um, we ran over ourselves. <laughs> While we were driving our own car. <laughs> yeah. Um, the roadkill is actually this. Uh, Rachel Ziegler says the original story, uh, she's the actress who's going to be portraying Snow White, uh, says that the original story is problematic because the prince is a literal stalker and the new movie will be different. Now, you knew that already. You knew that this live action version of Snow White was going to be different. Uh, one reason you knew that is because it was going to be live action. Uh, the second thing you knew that made that told you that was this movie's coming out in 2023 or 2024, and the original came out in 1930 in the 1930s, I believe 1937. So you know, times have changed since then. You know a little bit. Um, but Christopher, here's the actual quote from our lovely actress. Uh, so smart, so brilliant, so incredible. Uh, philosoph- philosopher, thinker, p- obviously going to be a politician here in a little bit. Uh, here's what she had to say she about the She actually looks film. like AOC, but smarter without glasses. Yeah, except dumber somehow. No, she the is original... dumber. She looks smarter. Oh, that 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 is true, Yeah, actually. It is. I agree with that take. Um, the original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. There's a big focus on her love story with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> Weird. So we didn't do that this time. Okay. Yeah. But the thoughts. people are retarded. I do I have thoughts? <laughs> are there thoughts to have on that? Uh, the, you know what? I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for her Amsterdam trip to with her employees to come out. Um, right. A- a- yeah. Anytime exactly. I'm, I'm done, I'm done listening to, I'm done listening to people who film themselves pretending to be different people and call it a job. I'm mm. tired of listening to what they think about morality. Um, the only reason you have a camera in your face is because you have spent some portion of your life being a vapid, soulless vampire, and that for some reason our upside down attention economy awards that with interviews it's a it's a moronic thing it's a moronic thing top to bottom i don't know why anyone should care what you have to say i don't think you're a good person also if you think if you think that i I don't know how old is this woman like 20 some 20 23 20 early 30s something like that yeah she's she's young if you think that because 
you had a even complexion and could repeat stuff that other people wrote down for you that your 23 years of experience has made you smarter than stories we have been telling ourselves since the beginning of human civilization there is no helping that kind of hubris i mean you're just Mm. you're just too far gone you're too far gone here's the good thing i don't have to watch any more disney movies and i wasn't going to watch this one after i saw the collection of non-dwarfs yeah which is just hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I, you said something that that I've really felt when I read this is all of these people sound exactly the same, right? And <clears throat> yeah. I don't know why people are sticking microphones in their faces to get these quotes. Um, if it, it, Go ahead. Uh, they're, they're ideological robots. I mean, they're, yes, they're, exactly. they're automatons. They've never had an independent thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, and it's like a, they might think ahead. that they have, but they're just running a they're running a script like a Python script that says relate everything back to to white men are bad. Yeah, well, and you get that she actually came out recently here and on August 11th she said something to this, and once again you hear this very just robot speech. It said in response to everyone kind of blowing this blowing up and people saying that like. This is kind of a terrible take. There's nothing wrong with the 1937 film. There's some good things that we really like about it. Uh, there's some nuance and some power to that film. Obviously, that's why you're doing a remake of it. You know, if it wasn't, yeah. you wouldn't be here in the first place. Uh, yeah. Well, if if it's so terrible, if it's so tragically misguided, why are you standing on its shoulders? Right. Exactly. Um, she wrote this. I hope the world becomes kinder. I yep. love you very much, forever and ever. Remember to be kind. Treat each other with patience and empathy. Remember that you are loved unconditionally. No matter your mistakes, no matter your misunderstandings, you deserve it. You deserve love. You deserve to live without fear. Kiss. Okay. (laughs) I I actually almost cut you off to say I know what she's going to say. Yeah, exactly. She's going to imply that she's being harassed because people disagree with her. Mm. Which Which is for you to put yourself in the public view and then to be criticized because... It's for the first time your ideas are being vetted out in the court of public opinion and not a insular echo chamber of people who are too afraid to tell you that anything that you do is wrong because you're going to be pretty for the next five years and they want to use you for as much money as they can possibly pump out of your morally and intellectually vacant host. You get some pushback. You think that that's violence. No, the truth is that you're just you're just a dumb dumb, and because people can make money off of you, they haven't told you. But that's mm. that's how it actually works. It's not harassment, but that's what that's the play. That is the game plan for these people. They adopt a viewpoint that's provided to them. They never get challenged on it. Then they say something remarkably stupid, and get a victim complex over over people going yeah that's not true yes yes exactly it's it's crazy man it's a weird world for sure um it would be nice if we had people who had independent thoughts but we don't sadly to say yeah yeah god bless them god bless them but uh everyone's just become a little a little robot nobody thinks for themselves anymore Mm, mm -hmm. and how can you tell that we here at Carl Pulling do think for ourselves. Well, what other podcast is serving up Alex Jones Youngling jokes? 
I'm fairly positive that's original content. Now, oh, you know what? Now, but do I yeah. want to? Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to fly tomorrow. What list is that going to put me? On? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to release yeah. this after I get on the plane. Um, mm. All right, Hunter. Well, let's let's move into the main portion of the show, but not before we engage with also a literal stalker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Her words, not mine. That's just, you know, it's like uh, there's a reason why good Samaritan laws exist. And it's because of self-important 1,000 megahertz tones like this Snow Brown we have. Um, Because the actual story is he saved her life. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. not, Not only that. Not only that. But okay, here we go. So, Prince Charming, which is literally his name in the story, because he's almost not in the story at all. Like in in Ariel, at least it's Eric, but I I b- believe that he doesn't even have a name in Snow White. Um, yeah, it's, he he's just I've act, so I've actually been reading uh, Faith Moore's book called Saving Cinderella, and she goes through the Disney princesses and kind of shows how either the popular narrative is wrong, or she basically says like she's examining the narratives and she starts with uh, Snow White because it's the earliest one that Disney does. Gotcha. And yes. And the, uh, his name is Prince. Like okay. he, he, he's an archetypical figure and he's a fairy tale figure. He's, he's symbolic. He doesn't necessarily mean what you would think. That makes means. so much sense. Cause when the yeah. witch asks the Prince, do you want an apple? He goes, I'll take a raspberry beret, which I, I didn't, that always confused me until you just mentioned that. I don't think that actually helped. The kind you'll find in a secondhand store. Um, um. <laughs> there's a there's a psychodramatic a psychodramatic way to read Snow White, where mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with a love story at all. Actually, okay. Let let me posit to you this: a story that fails. Let me let's put it this way: if there was a story about a man. Mm-hmm. And he was engaging in a love story with a woman named just Princess. Oh, Princess, the Princess, Princess. Mm-hmm. There would be blue hair dye shrieks of yeah. failing yeah. the Bechtel test from here to to Nebraska. That yes. they would never shut up about how sexist it was. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Men don't care because we've got better things to do generally. Um, and also, uh, in that group called men, I'm including rational, reasonable women who don't think that a love story is a bad thing. Mm. However, I think it's easier for men to, to also put like womanhood on a pedestal than it is for women. Oh, yeah. The, the reverse. Well, yeah. the, the garden called. Uh, yeah. but, but regardless, he's not really a character in the story. He's a, he's a prop in the story. Correct, and yeah. that's that's totally fine. I think it's acceptable to tell stories where characters act as reductive as props. In fact, mm-hmm. sometimes Especially it's really fairy tales. it's really necessary. Well, for mm-hmm. archetypal stories, it's almost it's almost required, perfectly required that you have yep. at least some characters doing that. Yes. And so let me just say that there is a there is a read on the Snow White story where she is 
where because it's it's really a story about growing up and consciousness and interacting with with a dangerous world um it's a story about an evil mother there's a story about a bunch of these things it, it as far as an analog story it goes almost exactly blow for blow with with uh, sleeping beauty a very very similar story mm-hmm. um and there's a way to read the story where it's not actually a man coming to save a damsel in distress. It's a psychodrama about the the self-starting, the independent parts of your psyche coming and rescuing you from being a victim to other people's whims and designs. I, I mean, that's a much tighter read to the themes that are going on in the story. And the, what's the evidence yeah. for that? Well, what's the prince's name? It's a story not about a prince. It's a story about Snow White. Yeah. And and the reason the reason that he he wants to save her is because of her spirit and her beauty, which is like a perfectly reasonable it's a perfectly reasonable uh set of values that would cause you to want to to rectify a situation where those were in harm's way, whether you're an outside party or an internal party. I mean, so the yeah. question is why why should you stop being a victim? the answer the answer in snow white is well there's something there's a beautiful spirit here to be rescued that you, that could be awoken to consciousness if if you were able to to confront and nurture it properly it's like that's a that's a perfectly reasonable feminist uh psychodramatic read of the story and and to couple that with there's no named male that's not um a dwarf it's just it's just kind of goofy to me that yeah that there's there's you know room temperature iq actresses who want to talk about why it's problematic i'm pretty sure if your assessment of the prince is stalker you haven't actually had an independent thought i don't know this decade yeah faithmore does a really great job of showing that like when snow white meets the prince um, it, she does so while she's singing about a song about trying to find her true love, right? And so she's she's in her uh, mother's or stepmother's, I, I forget, it's usually stepmother, right? Castle, and she's cleaning, and while she's cleaning, she's singing about her true love, and then the prince shows up, and he finishes her song. And so it's an extremely magical moment because he's not the he's not necessarily a character. He's not necessarily a human being. He's like this idealized true love. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that snow, snow white takes the first man that comes along her way. She unites her soul with the person that can finish her song about true love. Right. And so it's like a very specific person can do that. Right. And it is Prince, you know, it's, and so, and then what happens? She gets attacked by a strange man, right. Because of her beauty to some extent. Right. And then it will actually explicitly for her beauty, right? What does that mean? Are you, you calling know? the crone a strange man? Because no, no, the uh, huntsman. I'm, I'm just playing. Oh, <laughs> for people who have only watched the Disney version. Yeah, and then she's surrounded by half men, right? Which is what it is like to be. Which is, I mean, like all of that sounds like a young woman growing up, right? Right. Well, it's also it's it, it's the dichotomy between her true love and and the dwarfs. Who, yes. by the way, are characterized by their flaws. 
Right. Um, exactly. You know, Exa- so, they're singular flaws. Yeah. 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 It, we should we should actually have an episode where we take one of those stories apart and just discuss the the that's a great idea depth of it because they're yeah. they're super interesting yeah we could have a grim fairy tale <laughs> cast and actually d- this is just breaking I actually have l- exclusive Carl Pulling audio of the casting director who was putting together the dwarf the set of dwarves for this movie when he first saw the auditioners coming into the room. Let's check that out now. You ain't black. Well, I guess that's a little reductivist, but um, he certainly worked through that. So, wow. All right, uh, Hunter, let's move on to our main story today. Yeah. And then uh, we'll, we'll keep on going down this road. But first, it's time for the best segment. Hunters of Virgin. Oh wow, that's kind of a letdown right there. Do you think we're going to get copyright struck from from Led Zeppelin? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> Maybe. Let you know. I've I've told you this before. My band would be just perfectly normal Zeppelin. I don't know why people want to make them out of lead. It seems ridiculous well, to me. Hunter, this and that's is, the segment for today. <laughs> I, I actually have I have a, a Lord of the Rings fact for you. Oh. Do you okay. know that Led Zeppelin were massive fans of Lord of the Rings? No, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, what's, what's the dude's name? Um, Plant. He's a, Robert Plant, but I think Robert Plant was the guitar player. Mm-hmm. Was he? What was, the, what was the singer's name? Paige? Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's Jimmy Page. Jamie? Okay, so yeah, Jimmy Page. Um but he was like a huge Tolkien nerd. And Oh wow. Okay, while while you're while you're um giving today's Hunters of Virgin, I'm gonna pull mm-hmm. up some lyrics. Oh, okay, yeah. Um my fact for today is actually pretty short and sweet. I told you guys I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but last week I told you that Gandalf had one of the rings of power. Um, and I told you that he had one of the Elvish rings of power, and this week I'm telling you that it came from the shipwright Serdan, who gave it to him uh, at the Grey Havens. So there you go. There's a little bit more of that story. Uh, tune in next week to find out what ring it was. Ooh, what ring? I thought that all the Elvish rings of power were the same. Oh, you foolish listener. You foolish, foolish listener. Uh, did i give you enough time are you for real (laughs) they're they're all different oh yeah what is wrong with people (laughs) i don't i don't know i don't that's that's what i thought he he just did so much you know he did well that's the thing is like when you start to like go down the tolkien rabbit hole you realize that like most people write several stories in their life and then some of them are great and then some of them are, like, not worth your time, right? Like, you could say that of Dostoevsky, which is kind of, like, insane that you can say that of Dostoevsky, but it's true, right? Then you get to, like, Tolkien. And Tolkien literally only wrote one story his entire life. And he just kept working at it. And he never finished. And so, like, it's impossible to know everything, right? Because even he, he never got it all done. You know, he was still perfecting his story when he was, in, when he was older. It's kind of insane. Yep, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Also, a virgin. Yeah, 
as it turns out. Oh, okay. So I'm just gonna read to you. This is this is from Ramble On, and this isn't the only song that they reference Lord of the Rings in. Like they have a song called Misty Mountain Hop that you should listen to if you haven't heard it. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but this is the third. This is the third uh, verse of of Ramble On. Which do you know that song? Mm-mm. Go around, well, go find, see my song. It's like super. Oh, aggressive. now I now um, I know it perfect. Oh, thank you. I can't remember I the guitar part to it at all. <laughs> um, okay, but this is it. I ain't telling no lie. Mine's a tale that can't be told. My freedom I hold dear. How years ago, in the days of old, when magic filled the air, twas in the darkest depths of Mordor. Mordor, I met a girl so so fair. But Golem and the evil one crept up and slept or slipped away with her. That's oh wow. They, I mean, I don't know that there's girls in Mordor. That wasn't in the shows, but mm. anyway, yeah, yeah. The men of the east kind of get there. Led Zeppelin, not a virgin. Hunter, do 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 virgin. <laughs> All right, Hunter, we have to talk for a minute about private internet access. Now, PIA is my favorite VPN. Have you ever used one before? Oh, yeah, they're great. Excellent. Jamie? My parents met on a VPN. Well, I'm not at all convinced that that's relevant, but let me tell you this. If you're online in the 21st century, you need a VPN. Why? As the amount of threats that exist on the internet increases and the amount of our data that's being stored online increases simultaneously, it's imperative that we do something to protect ourselves, protect our data as we surf the web. Now, VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. And what it does is it encrypts your data as it's going between your device, your machine, and the greater internet, preventing it from being intercepted by malicious actors and hackers and identity thieves, etc. So a VPN is non-negotiable in today's digital day and age. Now, PIA is my favorite because it's the world's most transparent VPN provider. They have over 30 million downloads and they never store user data. They have a strict no logs policy, which has actually been proven out multiple times in courts and by a third party audit from Deloitte. So they truly don't store your data. That's right, Chris. And what private internet access does is it hides your IP address and encrypts your internet connection. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that Internet service providers and government sensors can't get at your data. If you're saying something that you don't want them to look at, even if it's just your business, there's no reason for those nefarious actors to have any view into your data or what you're doing on the internet. That's your data. Protect it. That's right. And private internet access also comes with loads of entertainment benefits. The VPN is compatible with all of your major streaming platforms. So you shouldn't experience any issues running Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming entertainment device you want to use. Plus, it's one of the few VPNs that supports P2P, that's peer-to-peer file sharing. So this is a huge benefit for power users. Not only do you get the benefit of using any streaming service, you can also use it with any operating system. We're talking Windows, Mac OS, Android, Linux, iOS. Use different operating systems, not a problem. Have an Android phone and want to use it on your Mac? Not a problem. And what's even better than that, you can have an unlimited amount of devices use it at the same time. That's right. And Carpooling has the best deal for you today on PIA, on getting a VPN, securing your data. For just $2.03 a month, you can start protecting yourself online and your family online. That's 83% off the sticker price for private internet access. So act now. You get 
that great price plus four months free and you really have nothing to lose because private internet access offers a free 30-day money-back guarantee as well as 24-7 support. So you are definitely going to either be pleased with the product or not be out a single dime, but I know that you're going to love it. You're going to want to keep it. Private internet access has a great VPN. Carpooling has a great deal for you. Support them. Support the show. Go to carlpooling.com slash PIA right now to take advantage of this great deal. Again, that's carlpooling.com slash PIA. Snag a VPN. Protect yourself online. Support them. Support the show. And we will really appreciate it. All right. Let's get back to the episode. All right. Um, let's, let's go into today's main story. Yeah. Again, we, have, we find ourselves in a week where the news cycle sucks it's just it's just summer campaigning it happens so slow mm. uh, it's it's hunter biden's laptop it's trump's 93rd indictment and then it's polls that's all that's really going on so we decided that we were going to take a break from the the politics and talk about sam harris uh sam harris is an interesting story and there was a time back i don't know about the time that we started the show so like what seven years ago yeah something like that when he was a really interesting fellow traveler on certain issues and something has happened to sam so hunter you want to give us a little background on on who he is and and what he's all about yeah, Sam is kind of like uh, one of the most famous atheists alive, I think is the best way to introduce him. Um, he, Richard Dawkins, and a few others kind of made this cohort uh, based on some books they were writing. And I think Sam's um, breakout hit, if you will, that kind of put him on the map was The End of Faith. And it was a book essentially talking about how, you know, Faith, religion made no sense, that the world needed to be guided by rationality, and that that would lead to a brighter future. And that's kind of how Sam got known and why people started to talk about him. And through all that, Sam became a really, really popular uh, left-wing figure, right, uh, which can kind of make sense. You know, that, that kind of thinking, that kind of process goes well with social democratic values, whether they're necess the religious piece necessarily comes up or not. The fact that the future need to be ru ruled by rationality, by enlightenment values, that definitely goes very well with social democratic norms. And Sam, at a certain point, began to touch an untouchable subject, uh, which was the Muslim faith itself, right? Islam. And so he began to touch on things there and say, you know, certain things about this religion are not right. They are not democratic. They are not part of a free society. And slowly yet surely, based on the more and more controversial things that he said, he started to find himself on the wrong side of the people that had kind of made him famous, right? Yeah, the people because, that well, when you want to be a famous atheist, you have to attract the Reddit crowd. But yes, the, exactly. the only proper way to attract the Reddit crowd is to to always be moving the goalpost, to always be a little bit smarter, a little bit better, a little bit more actually, a little bit more fedora than the guy in front of you. And because he was an eloquent and 
useful defender of the atheist faith, which is the the official religion of Reddit, a bunch of basement dwelling neck bearded fanboys found a champion in him. However, then when he started saying things that they would have loved for him to say about Christianity, but loathed for him to say about any of the oppressed religions, all of a sudden he was he was not getting updated on their big updute channel and uh mm. it's a tough tough time to be an atheist that's exactly right and when you think about people who were famous for saying unpopular things about islam uh you know a couple certain right-wingers come to mind and like one milo probably, yiannopoulos yeah that's that's fair he's but probably, actually the free space on the bingo card he actually is <laughs> Jeez Louise. But probably no one more famous than people like Ben Shapiro, who had very calm, rational takes and talked about this with science and data in a similar way that Sam Harris did. And around yeah, ben, 27- ben actually ended up putting out a infographic style, almost Prager U-ish. It might have been with Prager U video about the opinions of non-American Muslims on controversial topics like honor killings and jihad yes. and, and things like and infidel conversion and different things like that. And it, the stats which he was speaking to are, uh, they're dark. I mean, there is an Americanized Muslim is not the same as an Islamic world Muslim by the data, right? Of course, there's outliers, but mm. so. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably true of a lot of different things, right? But it's an important thing to be aware of. It's important thing to see some issues with, and it's important thing to just know, like, hey, the people in that country over there, they don't see the world as we do, and they don't believe the world should be constructed in the way that we do. Nothing makes that more clear than ISIS, right? ISIS is literally this desire to, by force, you know, change the world into, uh, you know, uh, the Muslim faith, right? Like, it's to make everyone a member of Islam, right? And so... Um, some of that became pretty obvious. Well, of course, you can see where this is all going. This kind of, this and other positions and a true commitment to free speech that people could say whatever they wanted on these topics led to this strange alliance in the wake of the 2016 election, right? Which is this intellectual dark web that sort of started to appear. Mm -hmm. Um, The Joe Rogans of the world, the Weinsteins, the Ben Shapiros, these people online who are saying true rational things that people in the center could flock to began to gain a voice and began to link arm in arm on certain issues right even culminating that very very famous new york times article uh the intellectual dark web right uh with all the people i just mentioned getting their photos taken and posing in that article to describe their movement um and sam for a lot of that seemed to be on a really really strong footing really really in line with this and Things kind of fell apart. The intellectual dark web, for all of its interesting aspects, didn't really have the staying power necessarily uh, for whatever reason. I think the answer there is myriad. Um, but it didn't, it didn't survive. And this core group, I would say, of that, Sam seemed to go off onto his own platforms to kind of delve into his own meditations mm-hmm. app and kind of just disappeared for a while. But ever since that's happened... Things have gotten weird with Sam, and it's hard to know exactly why. Can we just take a minute and uh, meditation? Yeah. It's so weird to me. It's so weird to me. 
Medi- is it less weird if I tell you that Sam did a lot of ayahuasca in college? I mean, okay, but but why do people do that? I find it so funny, so telling mm-hmm. that some of the most dramatically rational atheist people of our time have a deep, deep longing to have something spiritual happen to them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and meditation, if you go, well, it's just uh, the word I use for thinking. To just, to just say you're thinking. You know what I'm saying? Meditation yes. has, has always constantly been dripped in spiritual and religious connotation. It's so funny to me that they just... And ayahuasca is the same way. I mean, ayahuasca, the only reason it's popular is because it was used uh, in shamanistic rituals in South America. Yeah. So Yeah, it, anyway. it's very strange. I, I think there's this... If I could attempt to explain it, and I don't know if I'm going to get there, but you know, Sam Harris is one of these people that doesn't believe in free will, right? Who believes that... Um, there is a moral landscape of human happiness, right? And that nece- not necessarily we're in charge of depicting what that is. Um, and believes to some extent that we we can use meditation to put us in that place, right? We can use meditation to... Re- well, you mean meditation can use us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can't um, use meditation because we don't have free will. Yeah, yeah. Meditation can kind of, what's the best way to say it? Meditation can kind of um, remove the need of the self, right? Which is an illusion, right, to Sam? <laughs> I know and I'm s- not arguing with you, but that that makes meditation God. It, it's, if, well, if, yeah. if it's the actor and we're not the actors, then it's the will that's acting out its force on, if it can, if meditation and a human engaging in meditation can change the course of their path, mm. then meditation is the causal factor there if we don't actually have free will. So Yeah, I'm probably not doing a great job of explaining I, I, it because I don't think he would agree with what you just said, but yes. I, I, um, yeah, I just don't see... If, if he thinks that there's a positive effect to meditation and yet he doesn't have free will then either it changes nothing in actuality or it is at the actor and we are not in his frame of reference. I mean, it's just a goofy, it's, it's all so goofy to me, but. I think the best way to say is that Sam sees meditation as a way to remove the illusion of oneself, right? And he sees it as a way to drop that veil, essentially, right? And so when you can do that, his claim is that you become much happier because you realize like in a moment when you're angry, you don't have to be angry because nothing's real to some extent. Well, at least you're, he wouldn't say that he would say your perception necessarily of the event isn't real. Right. right? It's it's not, it's not important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And so I, you know, and this is one thing that's interesting about Sam, like despite his very adamant commitment to free speech and everything like that, um, you see this strange spirit of authoritarianism, authoritarianism, geez Louise, I'm not going to be able to say authoritarianism. it. Authoritarianism. Thank you. You're welcome. Come, creeping up in like different books that he writes, like in the, um, in the moral landscape, right? He talks about how we may have to force certain people to perform certain actions so that we can achieve the moral landscapes that provide the best outcome for the most people. Um, that's a pretty communistic thought, 
right, or a pretty uh, very, very heavily social democratic uh, democracy, right? Yeah. And so it's interesting. It's just important to remember that Sam's always had these kind of tendencies, right? Despite being a, a very strong, committed person to free speech and democratic, rational societies. He's also always had this dark undertone of wanting to control people for their own good, right? And some of that comes from the fact that he doesn't necessarily respect the self. Right. Um, so, anywho. Uh, so, I think now would probably be a good time to to read some quotes from this article. So, so this is an article that he wrote. It was published in the Daily Beast. It was published back in 2017. And this is kind of when the the whole idw was in its ascendancy at the top of its at the top of its game um and this is exactly what hunter was referring to when he was talking about the the dedication that he seemed to have from free speech so this was when there was a group of muslims that were becoming violent um saying that they were going to behead anybody that insults muhammad and different things like that after a film was shown that was apparently going to depict Muhammad, uh, they started protesting, and th- and Sam wrote this article in the wake of that. So this is one quote from the article. What exactly was in the film? Who made it? What were their motives? Was Muhammad, re- Muhammad really depicted? Was that a Koran burning or some other book? Questions of this kind are obscene. Here is where the line must be drawn and defended without apology. We are free to burn the Quran or any other book and to criticize Muhammad or any other human being. Let no one forget it. And this is how he closes out the article. The freedom to think out loud on certain topics without fear of being hounded into hiding or killed has already been lost. And the only forces on earth that can recover it are strong secular governments, disagree, but okay, that will face down charges of blasphemy with scorn. No apologies necessary. Muslims must learn that if they make belligerent and fanatical claims upon the tolerance of free societies, that they will meet the limits of that tolerance. And Governor Romney, though he was wrong about almost everything under the sun, including very likely the sun, on this we agree completely, is surely right to believe that it is time our government delivered this message without blinking. That is a unceremonious full-throated defense of free speech let me point out a couple of things because he's talking mostly about religion which is his own bugaboo right so right he loves getting ramped up about this topic but he says very clearly we can burn the quran or any other book and we can criticize muhammad or any other person realize here that in his in this clarity that religious violence gives to a person like Sam, he is very clearly on the right track where he he says there is no set of ideas that we cannot destroy or protest against, and there's no person that we cannot criticize in pursuit of what? Well, he closes out and tells you, thinking out loud. Not just thinking out loud without fear of violence but thinking out loud without being hounded into hiding so he's saying we should be able to openly criticize anything without having to worry about the ramifications that our viewpoint will hold 
Now, that doesn't mean that you can openly espouse hate and, and violence and those types of things. What it does mean is that you can, you can think out loud. You have the right to be wrong or right about any topic and any person that holds that topic. Now, his, his solution to that is government, which is, is different. But the defense of free speech is, is unmistakable. And this is one of the reasons why we, we saw him joining forces with people like Jordan Peterson and people like, like Ben Shapiro. Even though they see, they see very different solutions, they both understood that one of the major problems here was that the government was no longer interested in defending freedom of speech. So, that's, that is where things were. But how's it been going? Yeah, and that that's the thing. And it's kind of hard to say where exactly things went wrong. Um, and it's and honestly, so I, I used to listen to Sam's podcast uh, every time he put out a new episode. But eventually his podcast became um, behind a paywall. You could listen to like the first hour, hour 30 of his podcast to keep up with what he was doing. And then he got really into his meditation app and you had to pay X amount of dollars to be a part of everything that he was doing. I was like, you know, I really don't want to support Sam Harris. You know, he attacks my religion in a lot of ways. And yes, he's a good person to kind of like check my ideas against and see, you know, have I considered this? Have I thought about this? And I agree with some of his movements on free speech. I just didn't see the point to continue with that. But at some point, um, it seems Sam got really, really uh, possessed that Donald Trump was the enemy like no other enemy. Um, we've seen that happen to people in the past, and there's no doubt that Donald Trump is by f- has grabbed a lot of the imagination of the country in a way that I would think is very unhealthy. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily unique to Trump, necessarily. I would say that possibly Obama did something similar. Uh, but maybe with a little bit more rationality and focus, but definitely with his own and with brand a of much lies. snappier tan suit. Right, exactly. Um, you know, politicians lie; they make people think things. Uh, you know, maybe John F. Kennedy or FDR is one of those types of people, but once again, perhaps a little bit more rational than Trump, and probably not as aggressive on democratic norms as Trump. Um, although maybe that's not true with FDR, but. Sam really, really seemed to get behind this. And, well, this eventually came out into the open a couple of times. Sam's not going on Ben Shapiro's podcast. He's not talking with Brett Weinstein. He's not talking with any of his old friends or whatever. He's going on to some other podcasts and having conversations. And I would say they're probably less popular than those shows to some extent, or at least in some world. And little clips of him are starting to show this new worldview Uh, that show just this fall from grace, if you will, of somebody who seemed to have a really good view into the world. Um, The first one of these, and Chris, I think you have the audio clip here, is Sam talking about uh, the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Um, Yeah, I do. Let's uh, let's play that now. And by now, I mean right now. Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had... had the corpses of children in his basement, I would not have cared. Now, that's not, that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's 
Twitter account. Like that, that's a, just a conspiracy. That's a left-wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely, it was. Absolutely, right. But I think it was warranted. Yeah. So that's kind of a wild statement to make. Um, let's let's dive in here. So he is he. First of all, he says this is so so interesting. I wouldn't care if Hunter Biden had the corpses of children in his basement. Really? Like, I it's, <laughs> let me put it this way. The first big falling out that Sam Harris had with the rest of the IDW was, were his debates with Jordan Peterson. And they were perfectly cordial, but very unproductive. And part of the reason they were unproductive is because they were trying to discuss a case for morality. And it was Sam's idea that there was a perfectly natural evolution to human morality that he could make without a reference to a higher power. And Jordan's point, the correct point, was that without a hierarchy of value and the freedom to engage with that hierarchy of value, there is no morality. If if your own suffering is irrelevant, like Sam would argue it can be, then there is no there is no suffering of others that should be necessarily relevant either. And they basically just flummox past each other for for quite some time. I remember personally getting into debates over this debate talking about which side was was more correct, which side was more honest. And I I think that um it it's now very clear. <laughs> it's very clear when up against a wall or a perceived wall, which system of morality actually holds up. So yeah. let me let me tell you what what has just happened with Jordan Peterson from a making statements of moral integrity point of view. Uh, his ne- his nemesis, truly his enemy number one right now, it's kind of hilarious if you get on Twitter and watch them, is is Justin Trudeau. Jordan hates <laughs> Justin Trudeau. And well, he doesn't hate. He despises his very existence and molecules. Yes. It's it's like more pure than hate. It wouldn't be enough to eviscerate him because there would be remnants left. Um but but the news came out and and Justin Trudeau tweeted that he's getting a divorce. He's got kids. Take away how absolutely cringe inducing it is to tweet out your divorce announcement. Just all of that notwithstanding, Jordan goes in and his first reaction is, I'm so sorry to hear that divorce is horrible, which is a very moral thing to do and a very moral thing to say, to say, hey, there's existential disagreements that we're engaging in on a regular basis. And yet there are things that are more important than that, especially in, in the moment. And we can yeah. acknowledge those and be human to each other. That's the Petersonian system of morality. Sam, uh, would, you, would you be shocked, utterly shocked, if the sentence at that point, I don't care if Justin Trudeau had the 
corpses of children in his basement to come out of to come out of Jordan Peterson's mouth. Mm, mm-hmm. That that's a highly immoral thing to say. Yeah, and to be frank, it's quite shocking hearing it from Sam too. You know, because despite well, yeah, sorry, despite, go ahead. You know, I, one of the things I thought about those arguments between Sam and Jordan was that it was the end of ra- the rational discussion that they could possibly have, right? If you're going to take the assumption that the universe works the way Sam says it does, right, you're going to end up where Sam ends up. And if you're going to take the assumption that the universe works the way that Jordan Peterson says it works, then you're going to end up to where Jordan Peterson says it, or Jordan Peterson does, right? And those those forces are never going to have a rational arg- discussion where they like dissolve and come to an agreement, right? Because right. there's a fundamental misunder, there's a fundamental uh, presupposition that completely separates them, right? Right. And but to be fair, Sam has been a very very moral person. He was one of the first people, even before Jordan, to get off Patreon because of some of the decisions the platform was making, right? When it, in regards to funding and taking people off of it, mm-hmm. he's been somewhat of a first mover in some really key things that have happened throughout the world. But here's the thing I think that you're alluding to that makes the most sense to me is which one has an anchor, right? Right. Well, which one? Which one can endure? And there's plenty of charlatans that can that can maintain an appearance and an edifice of morality. Mm-hmm. But like I said, Sam hit what he thought was the wall. He he has made up in his mind that Trump is the bridge that can't be crossed. Mm-hmm. And and to be clear, this was in reference to saying that it was so important to keep Trump from winning the winning re-election democratically that he would he would hide any fact he would tell any lie for joe biden Mm -hmm. including covering up murder and the murder of children um there's literally no good reason to shill for child murderers ever Mm -hmm. ever you can you can make no no matter how complicated you make the trolley problem there's certain things that you can't cross and it's a difference between a utilitarian and a principled issue of a principled issue of morality and i think both of them have their utility i also think very rarely do we fall into one camp or the other i think most of the times people sometimes behave in a utilitarian fashion and then have principles that they can't violate in good conscience but here's here's the problem he didn't say he did not say it would be worth it to lie it would be useful to lie about dead children in hunter biden's basement he said i don't care that you can't you can say whatever you want about a utilitarian argument i don't care about dead children is not the same as dead children is better than dead america i'm pretty i'm pretty sure i know another guy who would say something similar and his name is stalin (laughs) yeah that's it's a it's an insanely immoral thing to say and so the point that i'm making here is that it really did feel when i heard him say that not only was i disappointed in in where sam harris has gone politically and how he's been possessed by this ideological capture of the insane, nefarious, and simultaneous 
ignorance of Donald Trump, but that he his moral system truly did fail at that moment. That that he had gone so utilitarian and divorced himself so much from actual morality that if it was useful but horrible now it was it's useful and i could care less Mm -hmm. um which is actually the hollowed out core of a morality based on circumstances and not not any grounding reality or truth and and you don't have to be a genius or or a philosopher to understand the, the statement, I don't care about dead child corpses, is immoral. It's, it's yes. natural law immorality. Yes. And so I, I think essentially there seems to be this um, gra- th- this problem with Sam and holding on to, you know, basically the, the mask is coming off, right? Sam is willing to throw away his principles to build the world that he wants, right? And that that's an authoritarian move. And I like I said at the beginning, I think that has always always been there. And just recent, why are we talking about this today, right? Like, what's what? Why why just bring this up? Are we just trying to hit on Sam? Well, one slow news week. Chris, mentioned well, that. Well, hit on Sam? No, no. Is but, he gay? Uh, no, he's married to a guy. You, no, to to a woman. <laughs> why are you gay? At least he was married. I don't know if he still is, but. I would assume he is. Um, I'm not the most up to date on his. Okay, I don't know. He's just very well groomed usually. Okay, but why are we talking about this? Well, he was just on the impact theory, and another uh, issue that should be kind of bouncing around in your mind in here is: well, what are Sam Harris's opinions on COVID nineteen? Because if there was one place where the elites seem to fail us in a just fantastic way, it's on COVID nineteen. And Sam seems to have this idea that it's worth it for the elites to lie, right? The Socrates noble lie, right? This mm-hmm. idea that like it's good to have this myth that the elites can hold on to and that they need to lie at certain points because the public can't handle the truth. That's exactly what we saw happen with Dr. Fauci. And guess what? It really, really threw everyone's faith in the medical field, right? To the point where uh, not very sane vaccine uh deniers, vaccine conspiracy theory spreaders, like uh, the, oh goodness, who's the Democrat who's running for the president's uh, that's not Joe Biden? Um, geez, it's, it, he, has such a, he has such a fantastically popular name too. Oh my God. Uh, isn't he, isn't he Jimmy, Jimmy Carter's kid? No, it's not Jimmy Carter's kid. What is wrong with you? You're doing that on purpose, aren't you? Oh, I don't know. Oh, um, he's a... Uh, oh, oh, Kennedy. he's Ronald Reagan's kid. I don't like you at all. Yeah, the Kennedy guy. I can't remember his full name, but whatever. Um, Jamie, this is your job. Yeah, it's uh, all good. Isn't... Um, um, Robert isn't... F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, okay. Nice try with the junior. It's okay. We, we, we'll, we'll program that in later. Um... You know, and Sam, Sam strongly, strongly has these convictions that people need to be able to trust in the media and they need to be able to trust in the health uh, community, health, the government health programs to the point where 
he's very, very concerned. And Sam has this kind of insane theory that he shares about COVID-19. Because what he's worried about is he's worried about all these people spreading conspiracy theories, which he blames on the IDW, about COVID-19, right? And he thinks that these conspiracies they spread have been able to grow because of just the absolute terrible work the media has done. But he also blames the IDW crowd on this. He also says it's their fault. And results in a thought like this, what he shared on the Impact Theory podcast. Dial up the deadliness of the pathogen like airborne Ebola with a 75% fatality rate, he said. And no one gets to make that choice anymore. Turn up the deadliness of the pathogen, turn up the effectiveness of the vaccine, and then you've got Robert F. Kennedy Jr. saying on Joe Rogan's podcast not to get the jab. That's the world I've been worried about since COVID. And so Sam has this kind of this weird theory that says, well, what if COVID was worse than COVID was? And essentially what he's driving at there, Christopher, is we're, if COVID is worse, if we had worse COVID, if we had Ebola COVID, right, all these people spreading these conspiracy theories and not talking about the disease for how deadly and transmissible it was and how bad the vaccine was, right, well, that's going to result in a lot of death and it's irresponsible for people to be putting that mistrust into the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, hold on. Is it the people who are spreading the so-called conspiracy theories, the ones that are putting the mistrust about our institutions? Or is it the institutions themselves that have been causing the mistrust? And this seems to be the thing that Sam doesn't get what's so brilliant about free speech, is it allows us to see when the institutions are indeed failing us. When we can call a spade a spade, right and see for what it is and this is what's been happening throughout the entire COVID-19 pandemic in fact this comes off the heels of having the Facebook uh, files being released and seeing that there were top officials in the government who wrote or not the government but in the health sector who wrote the Lancet report that were saying it's so possible that this got leaked from the Wuhan lab that it's probably the most likely scenario that happened mm-hmm. right from all these different things and the only reason we know about that the only reason we have any insight into that is because of the people that sam wants to pillory right, right? well and okay so and this is why this is why during the discussion of his last interview i didn't bring up free speech i brought up morality yeah yeah i, yeah. I knew we were headed here remember the first piece i read to you where he is all fired certain that we must be able to openly criticize any ideas and any people no matter what and it's the government's position to laugh down charges of of zealot based uh harassment let's say Mm. well now all of a sudden he is he is saying that not only should the New York Post not be allowed to tell the Joe Biden story, the Hunter Biden laptop story. But it was so important for him, for the world to be orchestrated according to Sam Harris, for the smarts to take care of the stupids, that not only should we shut the New York Post up, but even if it was significantly, significantly worse, he doesn't care. Let me rewrite that in a certain sense. Nobody should be allowed to say things if Sam Harris says it's not okay. 
And if it challenges what Sam Harris's authoritarian grasp on the culture should be, then no longer is he a proponent for free speech. Oh, sure, we'll take free speech when we get to make fun of the silly religious people. Right. But exactly. all, of a, all of a sudden, when it means that I don't get to bring <laughs> into the world my erstwhile opinions about how things should be organized and who should be the leader of the free world and what stories people should be allowed to tell, no one's allowed to contradict me then. No one's allowed to contradict me. And same goes for COVID vaccines. Now, let's let's dive into this for just a second here. Um, not only did the data show, not only did the data show that when the disease got particularly concentrated in an area or it got particularly dangerous in a, dangerous in a demographic, that those people opted into the vaccine which would imply that if we had something ex incredibly risky like airborne Ebola, more people would opt into the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Ignore that fact. But the, the only reason that that wouldn't remain true is what you brought up, Hunter, is that, yeah. is that well, well, Rand Paul is actually going to try and perjure um, or, or convict of perjury Dr. Anthony Fauci. Because now we've got the smoking gun evidence that effectively what Fauci said in front of Congress is exactly the opposite of what he was emailing people behind closed doors about what was and wasn't gain-of-function research, more or less. Yes. So the NIH, the, the medical community, the exact people that were championing, championing, hmm, I've just turned into you now. Yes, championing, Championing these lies... <laughs> You've really killed me, championing. I, Why is that such a weird word? I don't know. Um, it's fun. The, the exact people that were the largest proponent. Propo <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to say proponents, and you said promoting. You've completely yeah. hacked my brain, Hunter. I've the people who think idea good best. <laughs> ideas like masking and vaccinations, etc. Literally perjured themselves in the most blatant way, and not just a peon at the organization, but literally the leader of the organization, the highest paid government official. So the data suggested that the world would operate more like it would, according to Sam Harris, if if those people just told the truth. But they didn't tell the truth. Not only that, but they they used their corporate cronies to shake people down who were attempting to tell the truth. And according to Sam Harris, so much the better because people shouldn't be allowed to go on Joe Rogan and say things that he doesn't agree with. And so in, in his own way, Harris feeds right back into that same loop. He mm -hmm. feeds right back mm -hmm. into the, the, empower, the empowering circle that gave anthony fauci the leverage to say what just whatever he wanted mm. because he was giving support intellectualized support to the idea that free speech was dangerous mm. well it turns out that not everything that that kennedy jr is saying but let's say everything that was said about the hunter biden laptop was true everything that eric and brett weinstein were saying about the wuhan center for virology was true uh, everything on the Dark Horse podcast basically was proven true. Hey, here's another one. Not horse tranquilizer, but ivermectin was actually a therapeutic, it looks like. Not preventative, not a cure-all, 
but legitimately therapeutic. And with absolutely no risk. With yeah, with absolutely as long no as risk. It's taken as doctor prescribed. Yeah, right? uh, if you're prescribed. Don't 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 take the horse dose. Take the human dose. Yeah, horses. <laughs> and I don't want to sound like a biologist to you guys, but horses are pretty big. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> Mister Fancy Degree. So, <laughs> Mister Fancy, what Fancy Degree? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good nickname. It um, is. I say all that to say. Sam Harris comes off as incredibly unprincipled. Mm. And now we can see that his lack of principles were in pursuit of a world that he thought he was intelligent enough to create. That's it. That's If people would it. only act like Sam Harris yep. then and act according to Sam Harris's will, that's not a failure of dedication to free speech results in a, fa- a failure of dedication to free speech that is but it. that's a symptom it's a symptom of the underlying cause which is a failure of morality it's is. it is a failure of morality to be humble enough to say that you know what i might not know everything and i can't divine each path that might be taken so let a thousand flowers bloom instead it's you have to you have to dogmatically do what i think is best otherwise i don't even care about child murder if you're not dogmatically doing what i think is best and by the way stupid people stupid people who ended up being right about basically virtually everything he argued was wrong Those stupid people needed his paternalistic protection. It's an insanely immoral thing. So I don't know how to look at Sam Harris in retrospect to all this, except for that he was always a grifter. And part of his grift was was pushing back against a side that wouldn't allow him to hit religion as hard as he wanted to hit religion. But then when he wanted to take a swing at um, Orange Man and people who don't subscribe to I effing love science on Facebook, he hit back at them too. So I, I'll tell you one of the reasons I think the IDW fell apart is because I think that some certain people in it and not the ones that you usually hear in this context were grifters and not actually subscribing to the moral behavior that they appeared to be subscribing to. And it really does feel like a retrospective on his discussion with Jordan about what version of morality works in in uh, in time, over time. And I'll say this too. I'll say this too. Um, I don't want Donald Trump to be president again. Not based on anything he did prior to 2020, but everything he's done afterward. I also don't want people to get sick and die of a disease. I want mostly the things that Sam Harris wants. Um, so I'm not attacking him because we want wildly, wildly different outcomes. Um, the world would be more like I and Sam Harris want it if he wouldn't have restricted other people's freedom of speech. If he and the government establishment wasn't engaged in telling people what they could and couldn't say about COVID and where it came from and what to think about it, there would be less distrust of the government. 
There would be less distrust of a federal vaccine mandate. There would be less distrust of of the institutions that are purportedly protecting us and often don't appear to do that because we don't allow them to be checked by media and institutions that would check them. So how, how do you define morality? Um, I think morality is wanting good things and then behaving in a way that achieves them. Well, I behave in a way that is much better achieving them than the way that Sam Harris behaves. I think it's a failure of morality. And that's why he's not dedicated to free speech. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, and the last thing I'll say on it is this hypothetical of what if what if COVID were vastly different than it actually is? Then couldn't we just authoritarianly inject things into people's bodies? Um, okay, first of all, dum-dum, vaccines usually don't protect other people. They usually protect you. So if some people wanted to die with a 75% chance of airborne Ebola, and according to your own premise, the vaccine had like a 100% success rate, no injury rate, uh, then just take the vaccine, and if people want to die, they can die. Dum-dum. Second point, yeah, there can be extreme circumstances. That isn't what just happened, though. What just happened was the government shut the entire world down for three years over the flu. So maybe maybe you can't be honest with that because what you really saw is that your intelligence can't set the world straight because not everyone is going to listen to your paternalistic paternalistic predilections. But I'm very disappointed in Sam's behavior throughout all this. Um and I think it comes back to if you don't have an actual grounding for your morality, if you don't have a hierarchy <laughs> to climb, to point to, uh, you'll find yourself looking like an idiot on both sides of the aisle. That's where Sam is right now. Yeah, that's that's great, Chris. And I think this kind of comes to, um, you know, you're talking about morality, and that's where Sam kind of falls apart, right? He doesn't have these principles outlined. And that's what kind of causes uh, his failures, right? He doesn't have these guiding principles. He doesn't necessarily believe in free will, you know, so why even, what is he doing even? Like, how is he, does it even matter that he's inconsistent if he doesn't believe in free will, right? It's some very, very hard thoughts that Sam continues to juggle in his head. And the difficulty to keep them all up and to remain moral through that is, it's impossible as a human. Um, Yeah, I couldn't do it. To that point, uh, at the end of the moral landscape, Sam writes this, and he's talking about people who, what he sees for human civilization is that there are peaks to human flourishing, and that is the peak of the moral landscape, and the goal for morality is for human beings to be living at the peaks of human flourishing. But then he says that there may be humans out there who do not want to be a part of this human flourishing, right? Humans that don't necessarily want the goals of that, they're very much like the man in Dostoevsky's Notes from Underground, right? They mm-hmm. want to, They will shout and scream to prove they're not a piano key. Which right? I just got in paperback, by the way. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's very good. Um, and Sam writes this quote, which I think says everything you need to know, and it was written years before these events happened. If a person cares about something that is not compatible with a peak of human flourishing, 
given the requisite changes in his brain, he would recognize that he was wrong to care about this thing in the first place. Wrong in what sense? Wrong in the sense that he didn't even know what he was missing. It's a little complicated and possibly a little bit out of context, but what Sam is saying there is that it's completely acceptable to change the brains of human beings that do not conform with the moral, with human flourishing, the highest point of it. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the great things about God, is that God does not believe that about you. He believes it's necessary for you to come to an agreement in that future. And that is not what authoritarians want. That is not what communists want. That is not what social democrats want, right? It is a religious principle that drives us up that mountain and these masterminds of society believe that they can reach deep into the chemistry of your brain and force you to see things just like they do and you're going to love big brother yeah well and that's that's the kill that's the killer right it, mm-hmm. and and i think this is what we need to take away from it every single word of that screed that sam harris wrote against against the muslims mm-hmm. that were being violent in the aftermath of that that film mm-hmm. He should say to himself, because his argument against the New York Post publishing things about Hunter Biden or expecting the NIH to tell the truth about COVID, his his retort to that, which is I don't care, stack the bodies up, I don't care, that's not that's not a intellectual argument. Mm. It's a religious argument. Mm-hmm. It's a religious argument that says that we must make society into our own image and that if if people would only do as we would have done, then we would lead them into, well, he might put it as human flourishing, the highest goals of human flourishing, but it's just paradise. Yeah. And, and so he is the religious bigot. He's the religious bigot that is throwing his toys out of the pram right now, out of people burning his Quran, which Mm. is the world as he would make it. And, Mm. and so, um, Nobody, nobody's unreligious. And kind of like I was saying at the beginning, the yearning for these people for religiosity is overwhelming from, from these supposed atheists. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sad. It's sad. Religion is real. Human-centric religion is the greatest sham of all time. Mm-hmm. And, and you, never, you never become a religious. You just pick worse and worse and worse gods until finally you're left with yourself. Mm-hmm. So... It is how it be, Sam. You're canceled. I uh, hate to do it to you, but we'll see who cancels who. That's going to be it for carpooling today. Um, let us know what you thought shirt. about this Buy a shirt. Buy a shirt. The merch store is live. <laughs> Email us at carpooling at gmail.com. Leave us a question. Also, tell us what you thought about this episode today. I've been playing around in my brain recently that might it might be uh, time to go after some bread tubers, um, like Vosh and or Vosh, but I call him Vosh because he's a communist. And uh, contrapoints and some of those people, maybe. So uh, if you liked this takedown of somebody uh, who puts the wrong ideas online and you want to hear the right ideas online about their wrong ideas online, let us know. You can follow the show at Carl Pulling. I'm at Chris at Carl Hunters at Emotional Carl. Leave us a five-star review. If you don't, I will find you. And remember, if you have airborne Ebola, get tested. Give it to a friend. Oh, get tested. 